In Revelation, second chapter, verse 11, Jesus said in his messages to the different congregations of the churches of God, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Plural. Every one of those churches. The blessings, the promises, the warnings that are there. All seven of those churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Now, this phrase, the second death, occurs three other times, four altogether, including this verse here. And uh, that's the title of the message today, the second death. We have those other three references that I mentioned that we'll look at a little later on. But uh, we know, according to the Bible, that Mankind has been on the earth about 6,000 years. Now, some individuals lived close to 1,000 years in those early days of man's history on this earth. But now the average age is of in the middle 70s, somewhere in there of the average lifespan of a person today. Everyone knows they're going to die. There's going to be a determination later concerning whether they will live forever later or whether they will die forever. Now, some know this. Some believe and they care about it. And they want to make sure that they're in that eternal life category. Others don't believe or care. Some don't even know about the choice they have. All will know in the future at some time God is going to see that they have a fair chance at an eternal destiny either of eternal life or of eternal death. And it's going to be their choice. Back in Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter, we read this of Israel physically and certainly gives us an indication spiritually of that determination in Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter. We read verse 15 through 20. See, I have set before you this day life and good and death and evil, in that I command you this day to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, and to keep His commandments and His statutes, and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land whither you go to possess it. But if your heart turn away so that you will not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that you shall surely perish, and that you shall not prolong your days upon the land whither you pass over Jordan to go to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life, that both you and your seed may live, that you may love the Lord your God, and that you may obey his voice, and that you may cleave unto him, for he is your life, and the length of your days, that you may dwell in the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give them. And so, 
the promises of physical life, blessings in this life, but certainly couched in here a promise of eternal life to those who would make a choice for eternal life over eternal death. Now, today's message is not so much for those of us that are here that understand this or that are tuned in, but for those who might be newcomers to this truth or who come across this message later as it's recorded and uh, listen to uh, the words today that may not know about the second death. So let's see those other three references here. Turn back to Revelation, the 20th chapter. And we had this read in the first portion of the service in the scripture portion by Alyssa. So I'll just read uh, a portion of here in Revelation, the sixth verse. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters. Oh, that's chapter 19, excuse me. Let me turn over to verse 6. Excuse me for reading in chapter 19. It's all good. Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. On such, the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And then also in verse 14 and verse 15 showing the time in the future after what we call the great white throne judgment, uh, the uh, last great day that we observe in the uh, holy days, and as we understand from many other scriptures. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And then the next reference in Revelation, the 21st chapter, and verse 8, begin in verse 7 actually, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful, now there's eight categories of sinners in here, and I'm not going to take time to expound all of these. We'll know as we go through them uh, the significance and the importance of uh, the fearful, those who have lack of faith, who are afraid to obey God. Uh, now notice the emphasis on the negative part here. These are sins that are condemned and not uh, things that a person should have. The fearful, unbelieving, the abominable, murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers, including druggists, druggers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone which is the second death so these references we see here the second death the eternal death is for sinners now let's let's work our way through this and I'm not sure about the uh, sound where that's Interference is coming from, maybe it's on my tie here. Let's go back, as we work through this now, we'll see some basic scriptures that we're familiar with. And uh, it behooves us to go to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, for just a few verses here. Not to thoroughly expound this, because we, we are in these verses, seems like, so often. But uh, to establish uh, the point here that I want to make, uh, beginning in verse 21. For since by man came death, 
By man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming, then comes the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till all till he put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. So the emphasis here that I want to uh, get out of this is that in Adam, physically, as human beings, everyone's going to die. I want us to remember that. Everyone will die. And as everyone dies, so will everyone be given life again and an opportunity at some determination by God to decide whether they are going to participate in eternal life and continue to live on, or whether they will be a sinner, unrepentant, thrown in the lake of fire, cease to exist. That is a second death. That's the consequences of sin is for eternity. It's death, D-E-A-T-H, cessation of life. Back in Romans, the fifth chapter, back up a little here. Romans 5. Now, these are basic scriptures for those of us who understand uh, this teaching, and uh, yet we need to look at them again to establish, like I said, for those who may be newer to this uh, point here. In Romans, the fifth chapter, verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, that's Adam, and death by sin... And so death has passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Now, let's remember this. Everyone physically, a descendant of Adam, has sinned. Therefore, they're going to die. Hebrews, the ninth chapter, verse 27. Hebrews 9, 27. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. And so as we saw that, uh, man will be given a fair opportunity at some time in the future. So it's appointed by God, determination. Everybody is going to die. Then after that is the final determination, their judgment. Now, there are a few exceptions as, as we go through here that uh, we will uh, look at a little later that you might, well, what about this? What about that? Let's hold that till a little later. Now let's go to uh, some things that Jesus said that maybe will help us. Uh, it's a, they're a little difficult, but maybe we can work through them and, and better understand uh, what Jesus said in the 8th chapter and verse 51. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my sayings, he shall never see death. He shall never see death. Oh, well, you mean we can live forever in this flesh just if we keep God's commandments? Well, where are all those other saints that have lived for hundreds of years? If they were keeping the commandments and obedient, where are they today? 
Uh, then answered the Jews and said, unto, Say you not well that you're a Samaritan and have a demon? <laughs> but Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. And I seek not my own glory, but there is one that seeketh and judgeth. And then he said that, what I just read. Then in verse 52, Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead. And the prophets. Okay, remember this. They admitted it. Abraham is dead. And the prophets. They're dead. Thousands of years ago. They died. They're dead. And you say, if a man keep my sayings, he shall never taste of death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? And the prophets are dead. Who make you yourself? Now, there's more to that, and we can continue on uh, with uh, what uh, Jesus said. But let's go on to John, the 11th chapter. And you're familiar with this as the resurrection chapter, because it has to do with the resurrection of Lazarus, uh, the brother of Martha and Mary. And uh, let's go to uh, skip up to this verse 25. Jesus said unto her, that's to Martha he was talking to, uh, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. So Jesus understood that there are some believers that are dead, but will live again. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Believe you this. Okay, uh, this troubles some people because he said, Jesus said, if you believe in me, you'll never die. Well, how many of us believe in God? Are we going to live forever in this flesh or are we going to die? Well, is that a contradiction? Or is it perhaps just a misunderstanding or a mistranslation or could be clarified with what uh, originally uh, is in the scripture? Now, I want to just take a moment and read from, uh, Brian, do you have the living Bible reference there? Um, let me just read from one of the um, other references, 11.25. Jesus said unto her, I am the one who raises the dead and gives them life again. Anyone who believes in me, even though he dies like anyone else, shall live again. He is given eternal life for believing in me and shall never perish. Do you believe this, Martha? So what Jesus was saying was that uh, those who believe in him, even though they die the first death, will not die forever, will not be touched by the second death. We'll talk about that a little later. But will live forever. So even though our King James... Uh, tend to indicate if we just read it for what it says right here he that believes in me shall never die what he's saying is shall not die forever but we know from what he said in other places will be resurrected so we understand this and this is uh, this is basic understanding here back up to chapter 10 verse 28 uh, Jesus talking about his sheep hearing his voice and following him and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. So, just emphasizing here the significance of the importance of what Paul even said later in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 54, when he said that this mortal, this mortal will put on immortality, this corruptible will put on incorruption, and we will 
be changed in a moment. Twinkling an eye, we'll put on immortality. We don't have it now. We're mortal. We're going to die. We all know that. And uh, we're not eternal yet. We might have eternal life in us, God's spirit, but that final act of spirit determination of eternal life hasn't happened yet. Now, uh, let's consider uh, a, f a few uh, seemingly uh, contradictions to what I've, been, I've just been saying here. They're not really those, we understand them, but uh, go to Matthew, the 27th chapter, and uh, verse 50 through 53. This was at the crucifixion of Jesus. When he cried again with a loud voice, he yielded up the spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, rent in two from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared to many. It doesn't say how many. It says uh, many of the saints that were dead came back to life, came out of their graves and went into the city and where people recognized them. Maybe some just recently, maybe some were older, uh, grandparents or maybe several hundred years. We don't know, but they recognized them in communication. Let me ask you this. Where are those people today? Where are they today? Are they walking around this earth? Have you talked to any of them? No. It appears, apparently, according to Scripture, they were resurrected to a physical life, and then they died again and went to sleep and are waiting for a future determination of whether they're going to have eternal life or eternal death. Now, uh, let's look at... Um, well, I'm not going to do this because... Um, there are a number of other uh, temporary physical resurrections like this. Remember when Jesus raised uh, the little maid and then he raised the widow's son back to life out of the casket? Uh, remember when he raised the Lazarus, gave him back physical life, he came out of the tomb back to physical life? Uh, we remember Peter, Peter when he uh, resurrected Tabitha, Paul when he uh, was stoned and was maybe seemed like dead for a day or so, and then he got up, life came, Spirit of God came into him again. Remember when he uh, resurrected Eutychus, a fellow, he was a long time preaching, and the guy fell out of the rafters and died, and uh, then he was resurrected back to physical life there. Remember back in the Old Testament where Elijah and Elisha, some gave physical resurrection. So the Bible records several physical return to physical life in this uh, life that we know now. Where are those? Where are those folks now? Where's Eutychus? Where's the maid? Where's the Where's the boy? Where are those that were resurrected? Did they just die again, a physical death? Well, that means let's see now. Let's see if they lived once, and they were resurrected physical. Then they died. That's two deaths. Then, well, maybe so many of those will be believers because of what happened to them so they won't have to die 
the eternal death. Now, they've already had two physical deaths, but they won't have a second death, which is a spiritual consequence of the physical sins. The second death is for eternity, both a physical and a spiritual, depending on the circumstance. Now, you can get your concordance, and you can search out all those ten different references. I'm, I'm not, I didn't go into, I've got them all listed here, but for time's sake, I'm not going to uh, turn to them. So, uh, now, this brings to uh, another point, and uh, this requires a, a lot of research, because uh, when you start looking at uh, Hebrew and Greek words, and you look at, uh, let's see, the grave is Sheol, and uh, there's other Hebrew words, and then the Hades, the grave, Gehenna, Hades, Tartaru, uh, which of those which of those Greek words? So that's a, that's a long, involved study. Now, some say, well, there's different uh, levels of Sheol, different levels of the grave. That's the most common Hebrew word for the grave in the Old Testament, or it's uh, even referenced to hell or the pit uh, different times. There are different English words that are referenced. There's different categories. Uh, then there's purgatory, and then there's... Uh, a temporary time, you can be in hell burning for a while, and then you come out and maybe uh, go back in, and uh, all kinds of different uh, things about Gehenna, Lake of Fire, Hellfire, uh, consciousness in the grave. Uh, but let me give you a couple of scriptures here. Just we'll turn and read here uh, in the Psalms, Psalm 146. I know it's kind of hard sometimes to establish doctrine with just a couple of verses, but uh, we have so many more. But let me just read here from 146, uh, verse 4. It's talking about uh, the uh, physical person, verse 4. His breath goes forth. He returns to his earth. And that very day, his thoughts perish. So when you die and you go in the grave, you're not conscious. You're not thinking. For lying there for hundreds and hundreds of years, you're not like is now per popularly portrayed in the movies, a zombie that you know, gets out of the vault, out of the casket, six feet of ground, and walks around dead, you know, with all kinds of weird looking facial uh, aberrations, you know, zombies. Uh, coming up out of the graves, uh, you know, there's no thought or consciousness in the grave. There's other. Now, turn back to uh, also, uh, go forward a little bit to Ecclesiastes, the 12th chapter, and um, verse 7, talking here about uh, what happens when a person gets old and all the things of disabilities and debilities that take place on an old old person, you know, we, we know all those things that happen. You can read the previous verses and gives a good description about somebody that's old or handicapped or is uh, not functioning with all of their uh, facilities. Verse 7, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Okay? Now, I'm not going to go into this, but we know there is a spirit in man. We're not an immortal spirit. We're not an immortal soul. We're a mortal physical being. But we have life, breath, 
We have soulish life. We also have a spirit. And, and I don't know how to describe that outside of the very essence of the very life, the very thing of what we are that is capable of uh, memory and communication and uh, learning and growing and is human, able to be united with the spirit of God so that those two become a new creature able to live as a new begotten spirit born again now not con converted uh, I know the Protestants use and, and many religions use the phrase for born again now as a conversion experience so we're converted now but we're still like Herbert Armstrong said if you think your spirit give it the old hatpin test you know stick a needle in you see if if your flesh if you feel it or if your spirit so we're born again at the time of the resurrection when we become spirit being because Jesus you know he talked about a spirit's like wind you can't see it as it comes and goes I mean I can see you folks out here every one of you I know you're not spirits now here's the kicker every one of us have a human spirit when we die that spirit goes back to God asleep he's secure and protecting it uh, presenting it seems to to be uh, somewhere under his protection and his throne. I know, I know, brethren, these are basic things that we have been learning for many, many years. But as I said, perhaps some may be newer to this or some may come across it later and need a little more understanding. And uh, hopefully this, this will help as they sort through some of those uh, scriptures about uh, uh, heaven, hell, the, the ever-burning hell, the grave, uh, Tartaru, uh, Hades, Sheol, Gehenna, all of that. Now, my first message that I ever gave to the Church of God back in May of 1975 in Wichita, Kansas, was a message entitled, Where Are Enoch and Elijah? Now, that was my first sermonette. Uh, I've been in the church since, uh, well, baptized in 1960, so this was 15 years before I had given I've been in the club and a leadership class and all of the different things, was a deacon and was uh, serving the congregation, but it was my first sermonette, and so I selected a topic that I knew that many understood, but also that had a lot of questions about and many didn't understand, is where are Enoch and Elijah? now? If you're not real familiar with this, we have a booklet here that's presented by Church of God Outreach Ministries. You can, and there's some over here on the table, and you can read this booklet written by Herbert Armstrong uh, back many, many years ago, back in the 1950s, printed by Tom Justice, and we distribute and send out a lot of these little booklets here, Where Are Enoch and Elijah? And this was the basis, foundation of my first message. So I'm going to go through that just a little bit now and ask concerning Enoch. All right, let's go to Jude, the 14th and 15th verse. It's a little book just before the book of Revelation. And this Jude was uh, the brother of Jesus. So Jesus had talked to him quite a bit. And Jesus, Jude was, you know, he had been around. He knew a lot of uh, theological uh, doctrine and, and a lot of information. And so let's pick it up here in Jude, the 14th verse. Because it's only one chapter. It's only uh, 25 verses. So... I'm only going to use a couple of verses. Enoch, also 
the seventh from Adam. So Enoch lived about 5,000 years ago. He's born less than 1,000 years after creation. The seventh descendant from Adam. Prophesied. So he was a prophet. Prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. True prophecy. Christ is coming with thousands of angels and thousands of resurrected saints. Dead will be raised first. We which are alive and remain, if we're alive at the return of Christ, will be changed. The first death, physical death, changed into a spirit. Like that, in a moment, twinkling an eye, just now we're spirit. Coming, Christ is coming, Messiah is coming, to execute judgment upon all, and to convince all, judgment upon all, living and dead. I don't want to need to go into all those scriptures about judgment and judging and, and observing and condemnation and all of that. And to convince all that are ungodly among them. Now this is what Jude is saying. He's preaching this. Among all that are ungodly, among all them that are of their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Against him. So Jude was preaching about the ungodly sinners who were attacking the Messiah that was to come, Christ, the Lord, and the saints, and the, and the true doctrine, and true teaching. So remember this. He's preaching to the believers and he's also referencing there are ungodly sinners who are condemning and who are in opposition to the truth and so he uses it Jude uses this as just one illustration uh, condemning uh, some of the sin that was going on in his generation now let's go back to uh, Enoch originally where we see him in Genesis the fifth chapter Genesis 5, uh, beginning in verse 19. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch 800 years. He begat sons and daughters. He had a lot of kids, 800 years. Poor wife. And all the days of Jared were 960 and two years, and he died. Now, verse 21. And Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah. Methuselah, we know, the oldest man that ever lived. Almost 1,000 years. Adam lived almost 1,000. A lot of these guys lived in the early, uh, maybe some of the women, lived uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years having hundreds of babies. And... Uh, Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Okay, right here many say, oh, he wasn't, he didn't die, he just went to heaven. And he's up there in heaven with uh, God and the angels. Is that where Enoch is? Okay, we're going we're to answer that. It says here very careful, very clearly, all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And he was not, he was what? He was not, as Jude said, he was not found. He was not because 
somebody was looking for him. They were searching for him. So God took him someplace else. So that, and he protected him. But he died. Now, how do I know he died? Let's go to, um, uh, let's see. Um, Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Hebrews 11. Verse 5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now, skip up to verse 13. These, and he lists some other saints, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And uh, just uh, verse 39 also, and these all, uh, more listed later, Abraham and Moses and Joshua and, and others, uh, Samuel, uh, and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. So, Enoch was translated. Now, here's, here's what you've got to do. If you want to do this, you can look up in the Greek, and you see that this word, these words here that are work, translated are metathesis and metatithome. And they mean removed, changed places, transferred to another place. Doesn't mean they were spirit being born again in heaven. Enoch was translated to another place. He was transported. He was removed from where, because people were looking for him, they were trying to kill him because he was a righteous prophet and a preacher of God and God took him away and he wasn't found because he took him away. Now, think about that. Just study it a little bit. Uh, where is Enoch today? Is he up in heaven? Is he on this earth? Maybe he's in one of the categories of lower hell in shale of conscious, burning. Oh, no, no, he's not burning because he's righteous. Uh, he's in one of the levels of, uh, well, that doesn't make sense, does it? Where is, where is Enoch? Okay, now let's go to Elijah because Enoch and Elijah have a very similar uh, uh, as well as some others. Let's go back to the Second Kings. And um, second chapter. This is in about... Uh, the ninth century before Christ, 890, about 900 years before Jesus. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went up with Elisha from Gilgal. And verse 11, it came to pass as they talked and they went on their way and there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and uh, parted them both asunder, split them up, Elijah and uh, Elisha. 
And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. How many heavens are there? Three. The sky, it's called heavens, identified in the Bible as heavens. The universe, the atmosphere, the stars, and out where uh, the universe extends, that's called heaven, the heavens. The glory, declare the glory of God and sun and moon and stars and those. And then you've got the throne of God, the third heaven. Like Paul said, I was caught up to the, I don't know whether it was in spirit or rapture or vision or what, I was caught up to the third heaven. Uh, God's throne. And he, Paul wasn't sure of what happened, but he was there and he saw just like John was on the Isle of Patmos, but he saw heavenly visions and he saw all of these things happening. So, now, look here in Second Kings, uh, the um, fifteenth verse. Now, when the sons of the prophets, which were to view at Jericho, saw him, saw Elisha, uh, they said, "The spirit of Elijah does rest on Elisha." And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. And they said unto him, "Behold, now." There's a servants, 50 men with us, strong men. Uh, let them go, we pray you, and seek your master. Lest perhaps the spirit of the Lord has taken him up and cast him upon some mountain or into some valley. And he said, you shall not sin. Well, let's go, let's go see if we can find him. Maybe God has just taken him over here somewhere. And when they urged him till he was ashamed, he said, well, go ahead. They sent therefore 50 men and they sought Three days, but found him not. They looked for him, but they couldn't find him. So they believed he might have fallen out of that chariot. Or maybe just God took him up in the sky, took him over here, and, and set him down. Now, uh, we saw in Hebrews 11th chapter, verse 39, that these all died. and verse 32, it says that the prophets died. Elijah was a prophet. And uh, we know that uh, he was taken away and we know and I didn't have the reference I didn't write it down but uh, we know less than 10 years later this is this is later on in the story uh, under Jehoram one of the kings was such a wicked sinner that Elijah wrote a letter to the king to the son of uh, the, the prophet that uh, the king that was in existence there. It's just about eight years later so we know Elijah from second chronicles uh, let's see I didn't write that I didn't write that reference down Second uh, Chronicles, twenty-first chapter, twenty-one, twenty-one. Uh, let's see here. Uh, oh yeah, verse twelve. Second uh, Chronicles, twenty-one, verse twelve. Thanks, Steve. And there came a writing to him from Elijah the prophet, saying, Thus says the Lord God of David your father, Because you have not walked in the ways of Jehoshaphat your father, nor in the ways of Asa king of Judah, but have walked in the ways of the king of Israel, and have made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to go a whoring like to the whoredoms of the house of Ahab, and also have slain your brethren of your father's house, which are better than yourself. Behold, with a great plague, Will the Lord smite thy people, and thy children, and thy wives, and all thy goods? And you shall have great sickness by disease of your bowels, until your bowels fall out by reason of the sickness day by day. So Elijah was transported, translated to another place, 
on this earth, lived out his life. About eight years later, he was called on to write this letter to rebuke the king because of the sins. So we see from the scriptures that Elijah was still living on this earth, aware of uh, what was going on in current events. Now, I ask again, where are all these folks? Have they gone up to heaven? Are they alive on this earth? Are they still walking around? Elijah and Elijah and Eutychus and all of those the people that were resurrected. Lazarus, where's Lazarus today? You know, Let's go to John, the third chapter, see what Jesus said. Jesus said, verse 3, Verily, verily, I say, uh, well, let's go to verse 13, and then we'll come back, uh, because that's the order that I had. Verse uh, 13 through 15. No man, Jesus said, in verse 13, And no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Now, couple of things to clear up here a little bit. Jesus came from heaven, right? He ought to know, right? He said, no man's ascended to heaven. No man has ascended to heaven. He knew that. He was the firstborn among men. Is that what the scripture said? He is the firstborn among many brethren, right? He is the first resurrected, spirit, converted, born again person, right? God in the flesh, divine and human. Now, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, verse 3, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, you have to be spirit to be in the kingdom of God, right? Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The scriptures tell us that. We can't go and be in heaven and be a physical human being. We, we just cannot do it. Uh, we must be born again. We must be changed. We must become spirit being. Elijah, Elisha, Moses, Samuel, Adam, none of those prophets are in heaven. Awake, conscious thinking. They're not there. Now, in uh, Revelation, the 20th chapter, let's, let's go back as we kind of uh, conclude and, and wrap this up here with a few other scriptures. Revelation, the 20th chapter. Like I said, brethren, I know this is basic to so many of us that have been around the church for so many years and have gone through the cycle of the holy days and the scriptures and uh, sermons and messages and articles and booklets and personal studies. Uh, a lot of this we're familiar with, but uh, in the last couple of verses here of uh, Revelation 20, we read that already, verse 14, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. The lake of fire is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Everyone that is not a repentant, believing, 
born-again, spirit-born person that lives forever is going to die. And everyone is going to die and perish and burn up in that lake of fire. It's their just punishment for their sins, as we see here in Revelation 21, all of these deliberate Unrepentant sins, fearful, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, I'm not going to go there in uh, Isaiah, the 65th chapter. We know those verses that have to do with uh, what we call the last great day or the great white throne judgment that's mentioned here in um, Revelation 20. As we go through the series of the holy days, we see God's plan and his purpose. The purpose is to bring many sons into glory through the plan that's uh, explained to us through the series of the holy days from Passover to the last great day, the eighth day associated with the Feast of Tabernacles. It's called the Feast of Tabernacles, but it's the eighth day. And that day, the scriptures tell us, is a solemn assembly. Now, the, word, the Hebrew word solemn means final and closing. Let me tell you. After the millennium, after the great white throne judgment, after that series of approximately 100 years, God, God identifies it as a 100 year period. When it's all said and done, the final act of salvation of mankind, the final opportunity, then is going to happen what Peter says this earth is going to be consumed and burned up. And it's going to be, uh, let's go to, uh, I, I don't think I wrote this scripture down either here, but uh, uh, back up to, uh, I believe it's in Second Peter, isn't it? Uh, Steve, <laughs> James, Peter, John. Let me see if I can find this uh, real quickly here. Uh, um, oh, yeah, in Second Peter, the third chapter. Uh, verse 9, the Lord's not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And the scripture, you remember, that says, behold, that God will have all men to be saved. It's not that all men will be saved, it's his will to have all men be saved. But all men will not be saved because very clearly Jesus said they're going to be sons. They're going to be thrown in the lake of fire. Those terrors are gathered up by the angels. They go in there screaming and yelling and, and uh, whatever they say is not fair or whatever as they see their agony and their torment as they're burned up and cease to exist in that hellfire. Uh, God doesn't want them all to perish, but he wants them all to come to repentance. But... The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt. Uh, by the way, the phrase, the day of the Lord, is not just, it, it, when you study this out, it's just not in reference to only one occasion of the return of Christ, but it's concerning the time that is in the context of what it's referring to. So the day of the Lord, the time of the Lord can, can uh, appear over uh, several different uh, periods of time if you uh, study that out. 
primarily, uh, yes, Christ's return, but here, as a day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, uh, the elements shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works which are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting, looking for and uh, uh, looking forward eagerly, hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, this is the time referenced here, being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Now, Revelation 20. Go back there. We'll conclude here in Revelation 20 and 21 and 22. Revelation 20. We saw this about the lake of fire which is the second death. So now let's, let's see if we can understand this. Because in Revelation 21 it says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. So the earth is still here. Heaven and earth. Earth will remain. It will always be earth. Later we see God's throne coming down. New Jerusalem to this earth. Becomes a center, focal point of God dwelling with man on this earth. Everyone, righteous, only righteous, all the dead put away, all the dead sinners put away. And so what it seems like is when it's all finished and wrapped up before the new heavens and new earth, God purifies and burns up this earth so that everything that uh, nuclear weapons, uh, trash, garbage, because we see in Revelation uh, that uh, even for about uh, close to 1,200, 1,300 miles, there's no sea that the because this huge, enormous city that comes down from God, which is about 12 to 1,300 miles square, that's huge, a huge, enormous, in the area of Jerusalem, going way past the Mediterranean, way out into the ocean. And so this earth is going to be changed to accommodate us and God on this earth forever. So everything evil and wicked and sinful will be put away and burned up. The devil is thrown in the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet we're thrown away. Now, as I said, some exceptions. Generally, there is a reservation of judgment until the time that God resurrects that person and they judge. Whether in this life, judgment is now upon us. The first resurrection occurs. We don't have to go through another trial period. We're changed. Those in the millennium, however God works out their salvation, of those... Uh, righteous compared to the sinners because the lake of fire is going to be burning during that 1,000 years because when Christ comes he ignites it and then at the end of the 1,000 years the devil is thrown into the lake of fire where the beast and false prophet were thrown into it a 1,000 years earlier so that lake of fire will still be burning during that millennial period of time so now we come to the end when the exceptions of judgment. Okay. The beast and false prophet in the end. Wicked, sinful. You agree with that? 
They give that mark of the beast. They're anti-God, anti-Christ. They're against everything. Are they going to have to be resurrected later and, and given a, a, a period of time? Or do they refuse and they hear the preaching of the church? They hear the preaching of the two witnesses. They have the word of God, but they believe a lie and they refuse to repent. And they do all this wicked and evil against God. They've already worked out their determination. They're going to be thrown immediately into the lake of fire. As the scripture says that the beast and false prophet are thrown into the lake of fire. And they burn up and they cease to exist. They don't go on living forever in hellfire. There's no, there is, you cannot show me a promise in the scriptures of eternal life to everyone. The promise is eternal life to believers, to repentant believers. Sinners will die forever. Now, Revelation, let's, let's close up here. Revelation uh, 21, 8. The fearful, we went through all these eight categories, uh, shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And then uh, verse 27, and there shall in no wise enter into it, that's a heavenly city that comes down from God, anything that defiles, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. And uh, Revelation twenty-two fourteen, 14, uh, verse 12, Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be in the future. I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have a right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loves and makes a lie. Without. They're not, in these, they're, they're not there. doesn't mean they're living outside because, remember, the, the new city has 12 gates, all of them open. There's all daytime there. And whosoever will may come but only ones living are righteous sons that have access to God and the temple and the God is dwelling all dead are put away and are in death which is an absence of life now I'm closing here with this statement what a blessing to those who will live forever those who escape the second death. 